Say hey, what's up guys? Post Game Spread Podcast. I have a short disclaimer before we get into this out of left with Joey. Uh, first, our next guest is going to be none other than Jay Crawford, the former Chatham Glenwood state champion. He was a member of the Springfield Thunder, who's in the Springfield Sports Hall of Fame, and he had a short career in the Oakland A's minor league system before uh, shoulder injuries derailed his career. Man, this is going to be a funny one. Um, I'm already starting to talk to people from his back career, from his, his life, and everyone is uh, saying this is going to be the funniest one we're going to have. So I'm, I'm really excited to do it. This is going to be, yeah, I'm just excited to do it. So I'm not going to tell you all, all who we're talking to, but it's going to be great. And uh, so look forward to that. Another thing, Matt Brewer, uh, the former uh, SHG grad, Carbondale standout, had a short career with the Diamondbacks and local lawyer now. We've been in touch. He had some great feedback for me, and he told me that it'd be a good idea to you know, ask some of you guys out there what questions you would like to hear asked to the guests. If you have anything interesting you'd like to, to kick our way or any feedback like that, I would, I would love to take it. So you can get a hold of me on our Instagram, on our Twitter, or I'm sure someone you know knows me. So don't be shy. You can find my number pretty easy. Uh, and lastly, we donated $600 today to local uh, baseball and sports entities. I gave 200 bucks to Fairview Youth Athletic Association. We're going to sponsor a team. I gave 200 bucks to SSBA Springfield Southwest and I gave 200 bucks to the Boys and Girls Club of Central Illinois. So, like I said, not keeping a dime, kicking it right back into the community, spreading the love. Thank you guys for listening. This is our fourth installment of Out of Left Field with Joey Albsmeyer here. We're doing it live today. So, this is going to be special um joey and i are looking at each other via zoom right now and uh you know pumped for these out of lefts i think they're hilarious my dad thinks they're hilarious he looks forward to them so joey what's up brother how is it in texas right now uh it's hot it's august in texas you know it's coming but the uh the highs aren't like 108 is 108 like there's no way around that yeah the worst the worst part is get up in the middle of the night 3 a.m let the dogs out and that 87-degree air hits you in the face in the middle of the night, that's what you're not ready for. It's brutal. Not ready for it. And you are down in the, the, the Dallas area. Is that accurate? Yeah, I'm in a little suburb just immediately east of uh, east of Dallas. Yeah, we love it out here. It's got, it's got small-town feel, but obviously yeah. we're, you know, 25 minutes from downtown Dallas. We've got every, you know, major sports team and facility here. And uh, my kids have a, a yeah. much different – upbringing than than i had and that's that's with us being in a in a small little suburb you know yeah it, it doesn't quite have the uh charm of pleasant plains oh boy yeah um i don't know i like our like this this ties into all your guests too because it's like it is small town but it's not like neighborhood small like yeah. when we hear you know, like me and dusty and and you hear pj and the canadlers and all that like what what we don't have is just the kids all playing yeah. in the neighborhood. You know what Not I mean? Everything is scheduled and structured and, and we, we pack it in, right? Like we yeah. do, we do two hours of basketball and we do, you know, football and other nights and baseball yeah. and other nights. And if we get rained out, I'll rent, I'll rent a cage uh, up at D bats and I'll throw to the kids for an hour in there. But like, there's plenty of that going on, but man, the, the neighborhood thing, there's not, I, I don't not ever that. look out. No, I don't ever look out and see like six bicycles in the yard and like a yeah. pickup game of basketball going on. Like I would kill for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like 
I paint That's stripes in the damn backyard to encourage this type of stuff. And it's just, it's just that the, the, the neighborhood aspect is missing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I got to grow up in that kind of a neighborhood feel. You did as well out in Plains. I used to have something funny the other day about your kids being like, well, what do you mean we don't be like, you were talking about just wanting to go hit balls in the backyard or something. And they're, they're used to like, well, we go to D-Bat. We go to this you know, right. super nice facility and you are hitting balls off a fishing line and stuff like that. Right, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, that was, I had a, I don't know if you ever remember these. I had, I had a, a, a tee, like for tee ball, but it had like a rubber ball on it that was mm-hmm. tied to this like 20 foot elastic string. Yep. So you would have to kind of like, um, you'd have to put your toe on the plate so it didn't knock over <laughs> and then you could hit it, you know, and it would, it would shoot out 25 feet or whatever, get to the end of its elastic thing and come, you know, sling yeah. it back. But what, what would you, what was your kids think of that? If you presented that to them today? I mean, it's same with everything. They'd think it was neat for 45 seconds or a minute, and then they'd be on to the next thing. Dude, the, 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 the attention spans are so small and like the creativity lacks, you know what I mean? Like they're spoiled in that way that they only feel like playing is at a, at an organized, you know, practice at a facility, all that stuff, you know? Well, if, if, if things are, are way different than they used to be back in our day, at least your kids have, you know, outstanding parents and you and Katie, and they at least have that going for them. I'm sure you can direct them the best you can in this crazy world that we're, that we're trying to bring our kids up in these days. Trust me, we get, we get reminded daily how bad of parents we are and how mean <laughs> we are to them. And we, we're, you know, don't, don't get them anything and all that. Well, guys, this is so cool to have Joey back in here today. He has been my absolute right-hand man through this whole process. Legit, about two years ago, a year and a half ago, I started texting him about this. And, like, is this something that would be a good idea? Will anyone listen to this? And you've just been awesome, just, like, letting me bounce ideas off off of you. Anytime you come up with an idea, I have a rule. If Joey says something, it's green light. I will never (laughs) say no to you, an idea if you say something is stupid, I'm not going to do that thing or just, you've well, been amazing. Just bouncing ideas. You have your own ideas and I incorporate them. So thank you so much for being available for all this. I, I couldn't have done this without you. Well, trust me, the, the, the salesman in me loves to just come up with the idea and let everyone else do the work. And then I just get to enjoy the benefits of it. <laughs> I, I remember that. I remember when you were, um, I mean, going way back, way, way back, and and the whole the Ripken and the Orioles thing came up. That was cool. And I, just for whatever reason, we would keep in touch here and there of, of things that were developing. Um, yeah. But yeah, when I when you sent me those links and I got to listen to your stories, for me personally, being in Texas and I'm separated from all the guys, it's like I don't, I can't go you know, on a Saturday night down to you know, grab a bite to eat and have a couple of beers with my buddies that I play ball with and catch up, you know, like if I'm lucky that happens, you know, once a year, once every two years, um, you know, if we, if we end up seeing each other at a wedding or, you know, if it ever works out that I can travel for a fantasy football draft or who knows what it is. So, uh, man, I love, and I, cause I'm so, you know, sentimental about all of the playing days and hearing the stories and the connections with the people and all that. So, hearing your story from from start to finish um was you know really enjoyable for me just because it, it connecting the dots of oh i remember when that happened or man yeah. he told me about that i didn't know it happened this way i love all that stuff so i'm glad that i was able to kind of uh water the seeds of your eye you know your <laughs> ambitions to wanting 
yeah. do all that because I, I really do enjoy hearing all the stories and, um, you know, and it's just, it's been great so far too, because I've crossed paths with some of them, right? Like Aper, sure. not so much, but when he was talking about things at Lincoln land, I could relate to it. Right. Cause there's you know, some similarities there, obviously yeah. Dusty and PJ and, and Canadler and O'Malley and you know, the central Illinois connection is there, which is, I think a terrific place to start, right? Yeah. Like you've got to, when you come into this, you've got to have some sort of idea or goal of, of where to start and what makes sense. And I think yeah. you're, you've gotten a lot out of the interviews, I think because of that consistent yeah. um, theme behind it, right? Like, Aper was the easy one to start with because you had the relationship there. Yeah. Um, you know, I know Dusty very well and I know uh, he doesn't do those things very easily. So convincing him to do that and, <laughs> yeah. and lay that all out there um, was good. And I think it just snowballs from there. Right. Like if the guys yeah. log on and they listen to it a little bit, it kind of gives them the, you know, there's, you can tell there's certain people that talk about their, their past and their successes and, and all that stuff very easily. And they recollect, um, you know, certain memories and, and games yeah. or instances and all that. Um, and others like Dusty's the best example, right? Like everyone has a story about Dusty. Yeah. Right. And he would never tell that story about himself. Right. Except so for like, Dusty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So man, if, uh, if I'd have thought back a year and a half ago, I really liked Blake's podcast. That'd be really cool if I could hear this from, you know, more people never Cause you know, I don't, I wouldn't have jumped up and, and done it. Like I, yeah. um, you've got, you've just got like the perfect backstory too of how it affected you. And you've got a very unique yeah. story that you relate to it um, sure. where, and you do such a good job of keeping them on task and, and getting them into places where if I was running it, like we just tell funny stories and we'd get, like I said, way off in the <laughs> left field and, you know, it'd be a good time, but yeah, uh, we would, we would not be taking a straight line youth to pro ball like we would yeah. be bouncing around from here to here to here so you do a great job with it thanks man i appreciate that so much i try to provide some structure because i i go to this line all the time i think there is freedom in some structure and that maybe that's like military my military background or what it is but i like to just keep some framework and then we can bounce around in there and have fun and keep going back um a couple things i wanted to touch on you just said for those of you that don't know, this whole idea kind of started because I told my own story, which was, you know, I have a very long kind of wild baseball story. And uh, a good buddy of mine that I used to play summer college baseball with has, has a podcast called The Forgotten Eagles. And he invited me on to do my story. And it was it was amazing for me. It was cool to go back and tell those stories. It was very healing for me because I went through a lot of hard times in my career and a lot of I learned a lot about life and got my dick knocked in the dirt a bunch. And. I started thinking like, man, I bet it would be fun to hear other people's, how they did their career, how they thought about their career, how they went, they struggled and had hard times. And so it kind of was born from there. And I have to give so much thanks to like Aper and Bensco for taking the chance to even do this because yeah, I remember when I first started sending out texts to guys, all of these guys I sent texts to just kind of like gauging interest. And some of them were a little lukewarm. And, you know, they were like, well, sure. who is this Who is this guy texting yeah. me talking about a baseball podcast about Central Illinois guys that had a couple year pro careers? But luckily, Aper is one of my best friends and he took the chance to do it with me. So and he spilled his guts. And that was like exactly what I wanted. Yeah, he was he's so, so good at it. So raw and open. And you can tell he'd spent a lot of time like healing himself and 
coming to terms with some of the things that he dealt with in his career. And thank you to Dusty Bensko too, because like you said, kind of a reserved guy a little bit. And for him to sit down and chat it up with me. And just like you said, like he was not going to pump himself up. So I'm, I'm so glad that we got context from other people, from you that yeah. can tell those. And we're still getting dusty stories coming in. Like, yeah, what, what, what an absolute folk hero. You know? And a, I, like Aper set the tone so well yeah. because of how descriptive he was and he layered in how he was performing and what he was hitting on the gun and his feelings and where he was at. And like, yeah. um, I had not like, you always sort of wonder for, you know, there's, there's a couple dozen guys from our area that have gone through this process. Right. And we're, yeah. we're finding them to tell their stories, but for the other 600 of us that have played ball in the last 25 years in central Illinois. I don't know how it happens that you get called to a tryout or a showcase and you get to go to Chicago and play on the field. And like, yeah, it's, and it's, it's really cool for me too, because I'm, I'm the opposite player of that, right? Like I never lit up the gun. Um, I did not look good in BP. Like I'm, I'm the guy that just fit in and like, you know, found the hole and, and, you know, the, the summer that I played with PJ, PJ knew that he had to run way out in the field to cut off for a ball. Cause you know, I was going to throw it low and get it to him. I couldn't air it out deep. So like, yeah. I love hearing stories about those guys that were world beaters, you know, yeah. and like April's, you know, throwing mid nineties from the outfield, like that allows me to dream a little bit too. And when you're, yeah. when it's a, when it's a podcast and not a, a video or something like, he did such a good job of being descriptive and letting me so kind good. of put myself in, yeah. in that place. And now with Dusty, it was a little bit easier because I had heard a lot of those stories and, and obviously mm-hmm. I live, you know, some of his younger stuff with him and things like yeah. that too. But um, yeah, that, those, it's all been, it's all been fantastic. And, you know, want to make sure that we get, uh, I, you know, I want to give some reactions to, uh, to Jason's uh, pod and obviously PJ's as well too, but kind of po- put it back out to you that like, where like, there's there's a there's a finite number of guys that have these types of stories right that we're right, working yeah. through so like right. kind of what do you like what is sort of the next step where does this go right like yeah. this is going to be a terrible analogy but like <laughs> joe joe rogan started with like mma guys and stand-up comics right and then yeah, like right. he's obviously branched out to be the biggest example in the world but wonderful place to start but like are you like where are you interested in taking this that's a great question man i have I feel like I have new ideas all the time and I like putting ideas out into the world because I'm, I'm a big into like manifestation and like, you know, some woo woo stuff. So I, some, sometimes thoughts become things. And obviously I started talking about this idea to you in April years ago and look what, look where we're at right now. It's, it's a thing. Yeah. It's an absolute thing in the baseball community here. I'm not trying to pump myself or uh, ourselves up too much, but like people are listening and right. it's been cool. So here's my, yeah, you're right. You're totally right. There's only so many people that have these interesting pro careers from our area. I have some thoughts and like, I'm, I'm going to bounce them off you. So yeah, I, I would love to eventually get to more local guys that weren't necessarily the guys that had the, the four year pro career and the O'Malley yeah. movie story. But you know, there's guys like, I want to talk to Eric gum, you know, I want to talk yeah. to like Zach Stead. I want to talk to like, you know, just like some guys that had like nice college careers we're baseball players. I'm sure learned a lot about life, had some interesting stories, but my reluctance is that I feel like I've set the bar really high for what, um, like, you know, getting all these clips and quotes and whatnot. And it might not be appropriate to do that much backstory for someone that had just a college career. 
you know? And For sure. So I don't want to let them down in that way, but I, I'm sure there's some sort of a balance there that I can yeah. figure it out. See, but and you've the, you've got the perspective of no right like the like yeah. the audience or for the guests they may not have the perspective of all that went into the first five or six guests so i think you can do yeah. a hard reset with each guy and just say hey yeah. what makes sense for this guest but oh, i agree point. there's there's a whole nother layer of interesting guys that were you you know the same type of thing you're like man well how come that guy's journey didn't take him here or yeah. here so I, yeah, yeah I t- totally get that one. Now, when you're when you're on that, I think a really cool spinoff that we can't leave out is you never had any intention of monetizing this. Right. And, no. and for yourself, you, you never would. Right. But no. the ability to connect with, you know, with great opportunities. But for a couple of people that want to kick in some money and be back to local baseball or, or charity or whatever, like that's a. Um, Whenever you just like you said, you're not trying to pump yourself up or anything like that. But anytime that you're looking for a little bit, little extra meaning and wondering, like, eh, should I do this or should I not? Like having that little piece there, I think is always the motivator for, hey, yeah. let's, just for the fact of we can kick back to these guys and do good. And I have to thank you for that because you were the one who came up with the idea for making it making it charitable. And it started off with you kicking in 20 bucks for out of left. And then that kind of grew into like. I was like, okay, why don't I ask some more people for money that yeah. I know and like and would like to, you know, maybe this could be mutually advantageous. So we've got Bank of Springfield, Washco, Body Cemetery now kicking us money. And it is all charitable. I'm not keeping a single dime of this. I, I, I think next we're going to kick it to Fairview and then Boys and Girls Club. And that's yeah. been really, yeah, Gosh. I love it. Not, not to bounce around, but that's what I do. Man, PJ's episode, when, he, when PJ mentioned Teddy's name, from Boys and Girls Club. Teddy Lee. That was that oh my gosh, that was a core memory all the Same. way in the back of my mind that I had not heard or thought about his name. And when he said it, it was like it was like my body time warp and all of a sudden <laughs> I'm standing back in there and I've got my old like I, I think I've been etonic. They were these white high top <laughs> off brand. And I'm standing in the girls club on that carpet basketball floor. Carpeted, it, yeah. I, in an instant, his name brought me back there. I was like, oh, my gosh. But, yeah, again, that's what for, – for me it was, you know, when I'm giving reactions to these to these pods, I think to myself, I'm like, you know, nobody nobody really cares. You know, I may be entertaining some people. Dusty's made sense because I had some additional info to, and stories to put in there. But it's like I need some other motivation to do this. So I was <laughs> like, you know what, I'll, I'm happy to kick in, you know, 20 bucks every time I do one of these just – for myself to make me feel a little bit better than I was doing. <laughs> I love that. So yeah. it, it cost you 20 bucks to talk about baseball. <laughs> yeah, which, hey, I'm here for it. Uh, one more thing I'd like to go further is I, I, see, at, I see at some point maybe if this, if this thing keeps growing, I would like to branch out. There's other people that I've met along my baseball journey that are super interesting and have nothing to do with Central Illinois. And then I also think – if this keeps growing, then maybe eventually I would reach out to pros that I don't know in any way, like guys that have interesting stories, like a Clint Frazier in the big leagues or like a, a Brett Lowry. These guys that have these stories where they were supposed to be big time and for whatever reason it didn't work out and they've had their struggles. So maybe down the line that would be something cool. We'll see. For now, yeah. I'm just kind of going guest to guest, but that's just an yeah. idea that I've had in my yeah. head that would be cool. Yeah. 
I think that's the organic growth, right? Like if, yeah. if somebody who listened or somebody that was on as a guest and they enjoyed the experience and they're like, you know what, you need to talk to this guy. Cause that, that he would be a good guest. Like, I think yeah. that's just kind of organically how it lines up in the future. Yeah. I love that. So cool. what do you want? What do you want to talk about next year, buddy? We, we can get into the J A or PJ. Yeah, let, or... Let, let me, if I, you know, uh, I go back and I listen to these things two and three times just because I, Sometimes when I listen to them, I'm, I'm, you know, not full attention on them. Like I'm driving in the car. Sometimes I just put it on while I'm, you know, doing some work and things like that. So how can I make, uh, you know, some notes of things that stick out to me? First thing with Jason Knadler and all this is my introspect, right? It's all my, my experience and stuff. But as someone who didn't grow up with a brother, my first reactions to when I hear him talking about how well he and his brother get along and how they always played together. I'm like, isn't that the dream for all us kids that grow up without brothers? That they're, you're yeah. always like, when you're little, you're like, Oh, I wish my friend was my brother. Cause we could play all the time and we could play sports together and all yeah. that. And man, hearing them that like they're each other's biggest fans and they push each other. Like I'm yeah. sure they, they fought and things like that, but what an, what an ideal relationship that is just for us you know yeah. not brother you know having guys out there oh yeah i i, I loved when he talked about he never needed you know i was like if i wanted to play catch growing up a lot of times it was like hey dad let's play catch I mean, you know maybe not always there but yeah uh you know if your brother is there all the time you always got someone to play catch with and like yeah. a high level guy you know they were both yeah, really I'm, good i'm bouncing tennis balls off the wall of my of my dad's shed out in the back you know now this is this is when I was young, young. Because when I got a little bit older and some other guys moved in, so when we, you know, when I was 11, 12, I had other kids to play with and stuff. But like from you know up until first, second, third grade, the house that I lived in was kind of on this highway through plains that that you know nobody else was kind of really around. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Like it's um, you know <laughs> my parents had to get me a batting tee that's tied with elastic to it, so the ball ball bounces back, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. No, I mean, what that's just kind of keeping with his his childhood and stuff. And that leads me right into the neighborhood aspect. Like, yeah, he was talking about he had Sun, you know, Sunley's living two houses down and some other friends, another house down. And they always had the setup and like the power line was for the home run. Like, yeah, uh, you know, every every place that I had grown up was like that, too. Like you had certain Same. trees that a were tree. bases. If you hit it past this, it's a home yep. run like yep. that. My kid like. I just cannot relate that to my kids now. Like if yeah. they don't, it, it's almost like they don't even want to go in the back and hit if I don't have bases painted down on the ground, you know? <laughs> Same, man. We had a, um, so my dad would actually, we had a home plate in our backyard, a real home plate, like dug into the ground. I'm not just like a plastic one that flips around. Official, we had, uh, you know, we had trees that were, that were bases. We had a left field tree that like, once you got to the leaves, if you hit it above the leaves, it was a homer. And if you, our house it was a homer for a lefty and yeah I, that was i mean it's so magical thinking about that just playing wiffle ball the kids play wiffle ball anymore you know i don't think they do no and jason had such good perspective too that like back then it, you only had a couple of games per season and you only yeah. played in the summer right like even my kids now like there's a there's a fall season there's a spring season there's extra yeah. work there's d-bats you can hit indoors and all that so like it's so much more programmed that you know, maybe that was the driving factor of why we played outside so much is that, you know, you get you get 10, uh, you know, 10 games per summer, 12 games per summer. And that's it. Right. That's I don't it. remember too much more than that. The ball started. That was it. It was like 
about a 20 game schedule, I think. And that, you know, and you, if you got if you were good enough, you played in the state tournament or some sort of tournament at the end. And that was it. Not the same. And yeah. I don't know how you do what you do. This man's got four kids running around all in sports, all doing things. And you are an absolute Superman trying to put that together. man. I don't know how you do it. It's a commitment. I used to, <laughs> I used to play it off. Like it wasn't like, you know, people would ask me, and I'd be like, oh, you know, it's not like we went from zero to four all at once. You know, it was a, it was a stepping, you know, one to two, two to three, three, four, all that. But like now I'm in the thick of it. Right. And it's it's a commitment. It's we, yeah. you know, Katie and I definitely have to 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 be tag team partners on this. We get yeah. help from my in-laws all the time. And it's definitely a um, it, really this season and last season was the first time that we kind of had to tell my oldest that like, hey, we're not popping down to Houston for a weekend flag football tournament anymore. That stuff's over. Like where we just yeah. had, you got all three boys are in something like we'll find somewhere for around here. Um, yeah. We'll always find opportunities for you, but like, you know, Hey, that nine year old travel football, <laughs> like that's not necessary. Like we're getting out of that. Yeah. Absolutely. But, but that also plays into what I loved Jason talking about or, or yeah. his, his kind of story. Was, he did not you don't have to be on a travel team at 10 years old to project right. out to the highest level, right? Like if right. you're a parent nowadays, like it becomes part of your social fabric. Like that's who your friends become is what travel team you put your kid on. Right. And so then, right. or you start out wreck and then you kind of feel that pressure to be like, well, I have to stay up with my circle of friends. So we have to be on this team and we have to be on that team. And right. then you, you know, everybody's got an Instagram page and, and all that. So it's like, if you sit out a season and you see, then you start to worry. I'm like, is my kid falling behind? But like, right. you know, forget about all that. Let your kids play different sports. You don't have to be on every travel team. One, you know, so much is going to change after puberty anyway. Right. And 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 I, like, I'll be the first one to admit, I put out I put out little basketball highlights of of Vaughn, but that's the, those are the only three minutes out of that game that he looked good. All the other times, all the other times I'm screaming at him to stop the ball and, and move your feet and he yeah. gets scored on and he threw all this other stuff. So like, don't, don't let the highlight reel fool you. Right. Like there, yeah. there's a lot of people that probably think that my 10 year old is one of the greatest 10 year old basketball players in the state. <laughs> he absolutely is not like the, the, you know, there were two, two games ago, they got beat 51 to six, something like that, you know? So yeah. per, per, not always I totally agree I thought that was really cool what, what Jason said too and basically if you guys didn't listen Jason Canadler was a late bloomer he did not play on elite traveling teams growing up he wasn't even he was an honorable mention CSA as a senior and you know two years later this guy's drafted in the sixth round and getting you know a couple hundred thousand dollars and he's on his way so it just goes to show he said it I'll say it again some kids are like popcorn sometimes it takes a little longer for them to pop or Sometimes they're not going to pop at all. They're going to be half popped. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he also mentioned he also mentioned loving practice versus yeah. loving games. And I never had that, man. I wish I had more of a drive to practice. But like, I was ne- like I told you, I was I was never the the BP guy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, BP for me was just to get warmed up because I just wanted to get to the game. You know. Yeah. Um, and I I think I've said this before too is that I was a I was a play hard guy, not a work hard guy. And, and, you know, I'd love to say now if I could go back, I would do things differently, but it just wasn't who I was. It wasn't, um, you know, I didn't, my, my dad wasn't a coach. I mean, they, they put me in all the right places. I got super lucky to be 
you know, at Plains, you know, one year behind Dusty with some other guys that were my age. That was all a really good situation for me. But um, I was a a play hard, not a work hard guy. And um, that's I would love to instill that into my kids. And and anytime I go and practice, I'm I think the biggest thing that I get on them about is is making sure that they practice full speed. Uh, They you know they've adopted some of my personality so they like to go and have fun there and they clown around and they joke and <laughs> and you know sometimes i gotta snap them out of it that it's okay to have yeah. fun like if you're you know i do but i'm like i just i don't want them to waste that practice time yeah I don't, you know i don't think i wasted my practice time but you always want more your kids than you had sure for yourself. so yeah i don't i don't try and push them into any areas that they're that they don't want to be in but yeah. when it does come to practice time, like I, I really get to go full speed and to give a hundred percent in practice because that's going to make the difference because, you know, they're not, you know, they're not spending four hours in the back hitting off the tee. That's just not right. who they are. It's not who I was either. Speaking of like being a fun, fun out there. I, some of my funnest member or best memories with you are when we were on that rifles team who we've talked about was worse. Yeah. Our 05 rifles team was worse than 04. Would you, 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 you said that right. It's not comparable. I think the, <laughs> I think the only one, so Ryan Kendrick would also have the perspective, but I think me, yeah. him, was there anybody else that was 04 and 05? I don't know, but I don't think so. Trust me. If well, let's, if we want to get into it, we can, but yes. The, T Scott, T Scott. Okay. Uh, oh, wait, or did T Scott go already? I think he might've, I can't. He probably no, wasn't. Yeah. He was there. He in was 04. there. He was, he, he played two years of rifles and then left. Yeah. Well, anyway, Springfield Rifles had this amazing storied history. All of a sudden, I get on the team in 03, it goes down a notch. 04, it goes down a notch. 05, I almost took us out of the, the league entirely. So there's something <laughs> to be said about that. But, but what I was getting to is some of my funniest memories would be you and I in the outfield just bantering and saying hilarious yeah. things back and forth to each other. It was off the wall stuff. And the, like I said, that I mean, those are my – that's why I loved playing, right? Like there's nothing yeah. – there's nothing remarkable about my career or my abilities. I had some good games. I had some good moments and things like that, but I had an unbelievable time playing like yeah. all like, I, I don't, I have very few friends that are not from teammates. Yeah. Same. I, I, a lot of that too. But I, uh, I, I, I love being able to just send you like a one word kind of inside joke, something we used to say in the outfield and you instantly yeah. know what I, what I'm talking about and send it right back. And Yeah. I had that with Eric Gum too. Like that, he yeah. was. It, it, so that I had that with Eric my first year, my freshman okay. year at, at yeah. there too. It was always a really good time. Yeah, it's, um, it's been cool to hear Eric Gum getting some shout outs too during this. So getting some yeah. respect. Yeah, he, yeah, and he's and I think like I said, everybody that knows him or played with him has a different perspective. But one thing I know, I'm bouncing around here, damn. And I had you know I had an idea that we could follow this chronologically. That's just not who I am. But, so when PJ when PJ was talking about uh, coming up and he said that oh he always loved playing against uh, the Hewlett's and stuff because he was going to get their last their best game and all that 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 wasn't me I did not like showing up and seeing Dairy Queen I hated it like I didn't I want I wanted to show up to the park knowing that we were going to win or had a chance to win right I did not want to smoke no I did not want to smoke but <laughs> I say that to talk about Eric Gum is that. What's funny is that in high school, we we scheduled a lot of games against other teams, but very rarely did they throw their ace against us. Like uh, when we when, they didn't want to waste them. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Like I don't remember facing Walt when we played Tri City. I don't remember mm-hmm. facing Crowey when we played Virginia. Um, yeah. I don't think PJ would have thrown against us when we got Landfear. Um, yeah. And but but the one thing about it is Eric Gum always wanted that smoke. Eric always wanted like, it. Like he would he would tell the coach if he was scheduled to pitch for somebody else he would say no. Plains is coming next week. That's who I've got. Like Eric, and he was yeah. the same way at Lincoln Land too. Like he. Wanted he it. always wanted the smoke. He wanted everybody's, you Especially. know, he wanted to play, yeah. pitch the biggest games, go against the best players, all of that. That is one thing. And that's not a knock on anybody else. I just, I don't remember, yeah. I don't remember anybody else's ace or, or you know, best guy stepping up. Like and that. you like that. But yeah. no doubt about it, Eric always did. For sure. Okay. You said you, you had some chronological things. Do you need to get back on, on schedule yeah, yeah. here? So, like, let's, let's give Jason Canadler some, some additional, you know, sure, crunch sure. here. Cause he's uh, amazing career, amazing person. Like, um, gosh. And, and I know that Schlitt part comes up a lot too, but it's yeah, like magical. Um, what was it? What was it about Schlitt park growing up? That was just so magical to all of us. Like what, like, here's the one thing I can think of. At Plains, we didn't have like a specific little league field. Like you played games on the on the the baseball field, or may sometimes the softball field or whatever. I think for me growing up, Schlitt was really the first park that had fences that were little league, and it was designed yeah. that way. Yeah. So it almost felt a little more magical to me because it was. I don't think I ever did hit a home run there. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. But you know, I got to watch Dusty hit plenty of them. It was just <laughs> the the yeah. the feeling of it. I think was just. That was where we left our little small town and we came into Springfield and that's where you play. It felt like that's where the big games happened. And it yeah. was specifically a little league field with, with smaller fences that it was like kind of special. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, it was right. Like I grew up playing on some fields that did not have a fence. So it was the first time where you could hit a home run. Yeah. And I think it was cool that right next to it. So there's big Schlitt and little Schlitt. There's 11 and 12 year old field, essentially. I mean, it could be used for nine, 10 younger, but there's also a 13, 14 year old field, which is really nice. And they have lights and they have, you know, uh, this green stuff on the fence and like a tubing on the top and a scoreboard and all these things. So like that, that was always going on too over there. So you could see the next level up. I mean, there was, I mean, I saw the Statesman over there. I saw yeah. teams like that over there. So that was magical for me. I got to see Dusty Benz go hitting bombs and yeah. John Eck hitting homers a year before me. And so it was like, okay, I'm trying to do this too. And just hitting a home run for the first time is special and like kind of trotting around the bases and like imagining that you're, you know, doing it at Bush or Wrigley or yeah. something like that. So a, a very yeah. special place to me as well. Yeah. Uh, with, I had a couple of experiences with, with Jason Canadler and everything is at, as advertised the same, like, uh, same with, uh, with O'Malley too. Like whenever we were there and those guys came back and worked out, like, uh, they were in every position to big time, every one of us, right? Like they had sure. won a national championship. They were playing pro ball, like every position to come in and big time, every single one of us and didn't at all. Like zero. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. And, and I, uh, I can't, I can't say that I would have been that way. Right. Like, I, I just don't, not that I go out of my way to be mean to anybody, but like, I can't say that my head wouldn't have been so big that I would have come in and just kind of trotted around. Like I was better than everybody. You know, I just, yeah. if I put myself back there. I think I probably would have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And looking back now and, and seeing that big picture, totally, they were amazing. They were, you know, very warm to us, kind to us, willing to answer questions, you yeah. know, involved themselves. They didn't like, 
They didn't very, walk around like they were too good to talk to us. And very respectful that we were getting in work too. Like it yeah. wasn't it wasn't their show and like, oh, you guys stop what you're doing and let us get our work in. It was like very respectful, like, hey, yeah. when you guys are done, can we get some hacks in here? Or can I work in with you guys? It was very I, I I always take that with me and always remember that, you know, that they were always very respectful. Totally. Um, and and I remember thinking the first because Justin was a little bit bigger, right? And you kind of heard about bit. him a little bit more. Yeah. And I didn't really know too much about Jason, uh, except when we were doing conditioning and we lined up on the line to run <laughs> and stuff like that. And uh, and I just, you know, I, I was probably, I don't know, third or fourth or fifth fastest on the team. I don't know. There were a couple of guys that were faster than me, but I considered myself fairly fast. Yeah. Man, when I tell you, Bull would blow that whistle. Right. And – and I would turn, and by the time I got my first foot or second foot down, Jason was at the free throw line or three point line. And I remember thinking <laughs> yeah. to myself, I'm like, that's not physically possible. Like, well, like how? And I'm like, I'm like watching his body and watching his feet, and I'm like, how is he? How does he start so fast? How does he get out there? And <laughs> just, yeah. You know, and I think I'm like, there's no, it's not it's not even possible for me to get that much faster. I'm like, is he, is he jumping? Is he, what's he doing? <laughs> Your comparisons to other players really crack me up. Like when you start talking about PJ too, and you're like, how is this guy? How is this guy throw this hard? I was like, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I was so impressed. Like I just, you know, things until you see them up close and in person, they don't yeah. really set in. Like, yeah. I don't know if at the time that I knew he stole all those bases, I probably did. I don't remember, but like, it doesn't feel real until you see it up close and personal. Yeah. And yeah, just, I agree. I mean, just the first two or three steps that he took were just so much faster, and he covered so much more ground than anybody else. And yeah. we, you know, we had some fast guys too, but it just, it's you know, and of course, stealing bases and in baseball, you know, uh, two tenths of a second or a tenth of a second yeah. means four, five, six foot. You know what I mean? When you get down. So that's obviously the difference of, of getting there or not getting there. But I, I remember that more than anything, just how incredible his first, his jump was his first one or two yeah. steps was just so much better than anybody else we had. And I got, of course, I got to not just see it, but I got to run next to him. Yeah. And I remember just being frustrated with myself and kind of being like, you know, you're fast too. Like, don't, <laughs> okay. Like he's just, you're good enough you're so smart enough better. doggone it people like you Jim. yeah you're just so much better <laughs> well to piggyback off that I, I always was impressed that he would do those conditioning drills with us but that he would keep doing them like he obviously he was under no he didn't have to keep going like once it got hard once we got into like 20 30 40 you know down and backs yeah when we're all dying and it's in agony he did not have to keep going with us. You know, yeah. no one was making him do that. He did it on his own. So that was, you know, we had our yep. coach breathing over us. Like, you know, he's, he determines if we play or not, we have to show out for our teammates. He was totally on his own merit. He just wanted yep. to get better, you know, wanted to be in better condition. I always remember that. Yeah. Cool. That's, that's the work hard, work hard, play hard. He's got both for sure. K team hustle. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. I, oh, great point. Glad you brought that up. Uh, I totally, um, I totally connected and understood when he said, that hustle wasn't always appreciated by everybody, right? Yeah, I agree. You know, like, yep. and I, I totally can see that where everybody was like, "God damn it, can like knock it off, like yep. just just back off a little bit, buddy." I can yep. totally see that. How that some people can get annoyed that he was, you know, always giving a hundred percent, but you need those guys, right? Like those, yeah. those are the ones that 
guys like me who needed someone to follow and someone to set an example, I would have been absolutely better for having played with him. Cause I would, you know, it's one of those yeah. things that you, you need one guy to set not an unrealistic tone, but you need somebody to set like the, the max tone, you know what I mean? That not everybody yeah. else is going to do on their, on themselves. That's, that's making everybody better. And you know, he well, was a table setter too, right? You said something to me recently about PJ that piggybacks off that, you know what I'm talking yeah. about already? Yeah. Tell oh, me. yeah go there right now yeah yeah he talks about being a routine guy again so that that whole summer like i was just a i was just a a show up and play type thing like i would show up and and you know get get warmed up and and play a little toss and just get ready for the game pj was a routine guy so like he started showing up early and so i started showing up early and jr kais was there and kendrick and stuff too but it's like well, he took 20 minutes of, of fielding, so I'll do 20 minutes of fielding. He's going to hit off the tee, so I'm going to hit off the tee. Uh, I, you know, he's he's did long toss every day, so I started doing long toss every day. And it's like, yeah, I wasn't, I didn't have the mindset that I'm doing this because it makes me better or more prepared. I did it because I liked hanging out with him and the guys, you know. <laughs> and it was like, well, if he's going to do it, I'm going to do it. And so then, that's cool. You know, as a as a byproduct, I had one of the best summers, you know, I ever did, and and ended up, you know on a on a, a very frustrating and struggling year team wise yeah. it was such a leap for me you know from the year prior but yeah like I, I was I was one of those guys that that if there was somebody like that to set the tone um yeah. I'm, a, I'm a system guy right so if somebody like that is going to set the system at a high mark I you know I was one that would benefit from it um and just so funny that like PJ was kind of a leadoff guy Jason was kind of a leadoff guy and I think Ryan Murphy talked about how just important it was that that uh the confidence that like when jason got him started it was yeah. like it was like firing up the engine right like yeah. all all everybody else had to do was just you know keep their foot on the gas because he was going to get it started um yeah, totally. that's that's such a uh you know I, I i always say that like the 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 best collection of players won't beat the best team and like mm-hmm. you, you have to have a guy like that that gets everyone else started and gets everyone else going. Yeah. You know, and I that was you know on on years where you find yourself on a team like that, it's like everyone ends up doing better because it's just, um, you know, you get if you're always hitting with nobody on, you yeah. know, you're seeing different types of pitches, different counts. But like yeah. if if two thirds of your at bats come with somebody on base, you're facing them in the stretch. They're worried about the runners, like. Baseball yeah. is such a great game that way and that your your matchup is never the same matchup. You know what yeah. I mean? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Those are those, those are right. absolutely great points. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was really cool to hear everyone go back and talk about how much he was a spark plug and how he just set the tone and like, yeah, yeah Jason starts the game with a double and then or a single and steals second and third. You're off to the races. And then they just it sounds like they just stepped on everyone's throats and just killed them after that and yeah Yeah. jason set the tone so it's it's awesome to hear that he was such a you know starter like that yeah and i mean obviously the 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 switch hitting is what it is right like unless you're unless you've been in it and and played at a level and tried to take some swings the other way like you can even if you have a good feeling swing like to be able to face pitching at the highest level and still be competitive and all that just that 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 blows my mind yeah, there. does not does not make sense. Like we, we we can't say that enough. How hard that is. I I myself just like what you said. I had a decent lefty swing, off the tee. It could look pretty decent. You might even be fooled to think I was lefty, but I would have been wiped out if you 
put me against an 80 mile per hour pitcher, a high school pitcher. I just yeah doing going from yeah just learning a swing as a junior and being an all American. I what what a testament to his athleticism, just insane. Yeah, he came uh, and I know we have the perspective that we're we're all adults now and stuff like that, but just he seems he seems very self aware. Uh, you know, very like he's in charge. And I think I, I put yeah. this note down that it's like, if you ever found yourself in a room and like somebody opened the door and kind of looked at you kind of sternly and they're like, who's in charge? I feel like everybody would just turn and be like, he is. Like, you, you, <laughs> he just gives off that that feeling that like, you know, like perfect. It, it just the way that he talks, the way that he has yeah. grasp of the, of, of the situations and all that. And, um, you know, just consummate professional. It just yeah. seems like, if anyone had to come up with the right thing to say to yes. like to protect everybody in that moment, we could all just kind of like take a step back behind him and just be like, it's, it's whatever he says. Like, we'll go with whatever he says. I totally agree. He's totally in control, calm. I, I always kind of start out the podcast a little hot, maybe a little nervous sometimes. And I remember being taken aback by how not nervous he was. Like he was instantly like very comfortable rolling. Like he'd been like he'd done a thousand podcasts and just, yeah. yeah, like you said, in, in control person. I think in control of his emotions and his thoughts. Yeah. I, I, I mean, if, if my path would have been different and had I not stayed in Florida after my four year and, and gotten a job and ended back in central Illinois, I, I truly feel like I probably would have gravitated back around him. Just yeah, BOS, and, and for sure. yeah, I just feel like he's one that I would have, you know, been able to hitch my wagon to and just be like, Hey, like I'll, I'll go as you go type thing. <laughs> yeah. And that would have been a good situation for you probably. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So you have, that's, do you have any, any more thoughts on, on the, on the Jason Knadler podcast? No, I'm, I'm, you know, I love how everybody's been different. Um, yeah. I, and, and really the biggest takeaway for me there is uh, he obviously more to, more to being like the professional. It's like when he was done, he was done. He was ready. Like he didn't have, yeah. He didn't have any uh, reservations about like, hey, I, I know I'm going to go do something else and I'm going to be great at that. Like, we might as well get on with it. Like, that's a yeah. that's a cool thing to have when you're done. Um, obviously, you know, everybody continues to want to play and things like that. But um, it just, you know, he just seems real, real in control of the whole situation. And I think that yeah. carries over through and. And he, you know, it, it's still very, very present too, right? Like he's still involved with his community and, yeah. and the little leagues and all that type of stuff. It just feels like he's a really good one to have. There's, I bet there's a lot of people in central Illinois that benefit from just having him be there. Like, I guess that's what a community leader is, right? Yeah. Like without him being a politician, like how many, how many people have benefited just from him being a really good stand-up guy that knows to do the right thing? Oh. A hundred percent. He's, he's the best. I, I couldn't agree more with what you said, man. Totally. Yeah. What, uh, you got any thoughts on, on the, on the, on the PJ? Oh my uh, gosh. Man? I got so many thoughts on that. Like, first of all, his, I mean, again, great, amazing storyteller. Right. And we've shared some texts back and forth too, that like some of us may have like one or two memorable seasons that we really yeah. cling to that they're like, Hey, that was really special for me. Yeah. PJ had one at every single level. Yep. He, you know, he had one in youth. He had one in high school. He had one in college. He had yeah. you know, in in summer ball, in pro ball, and and yeah. all that type of stuff. So, oh my gosh, where do we even start? Like, um, <laughs> he's the same thing. He's got the neighborhood stuff. Like, I, yeah. I can't say, I can't say that I'm I'm 
of the, of all of PJ's stuff, I may have related cl- most closely with his dad, right? Because that's kind of the season that I'm in is that like yeah. I coach some of my kids that are young and it's like I'm willing to throw BP all day as long as you guys want to stay out here. But it's yeah. like um, the, the, the neighborhood thing is gone, man. Like if I – I, I can't even imagine how – if if this weekend six bicycles pulled up of kids in the neighborhood and they rang the doorbell and asked if my kids wanted to play. And I was like, well, they're not here, but like, I'm in guys, where do we want to go? Like, do you like, yeah. I got balls, I got nets, I got everything. What do you want to play? You know, I yeah. would jump right in with them. Um, but yeah, what, like, Oh God, the, the, the biggest thing I take away, number one, uh, I was not, I was not on Dusty's team. Like I was, I was kind of brought in, or I added to the team kind of right after all of that stuff. Like I only played with the Plains teams locally and things like that. But then when we did start coming to to the leagues there that played at Schlitt, I can't tell you how much I hated seeing those Dairy Queen shirts and hats. And I knew it was because we were going <laughs> to get beat and I was going to strike out and I wasn't going to get hit. So I was like, you know, I never, I never knew what the schedule was or who we were playing. It's just like, you know, if mom and dad say get your uniform on and get in the car, there's a game tonight, you just go. You know, and then, you know, I'm click clacking my cleats, you know, in on the road up to the up to the field and you see Dairy Queen and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought it was so cool. I mean, half those guys that they talked about when when Greg was talking about throwing BP to the whole neighborhood, half those guys went on to play pro baseball like the Hewlett's yeah. and Matt Brewer and TJ. Yep. It was like, man, that's yeah. crazy. Brad Selinger. I mean, college baseball, but. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. I think, I think we talked about this too. Like the more, the more that those leagues come up, I would love to see a, like kind of like how Bill Parcells or Bill Belichick has like a coaching tree tree. Yeah. Can you, can you imagine if someone had the records going all the way back to like, you know, what mid nineties or whatever, every player that came through there and then follow like their career tree to see just how many guys oh, yeah. out from it. That would be amazing. cool. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And back to PJ's story of like when they when they made it through, like this this isn't a big metro area, right? Like it's not Chicago, no. it's not Atlanta. Like no. this was central Illinois, Springfield, Illinois, you know, hundred thousand population. Yeah. That's it. Hundred thousand, a little a little surrounding community, but you know, yeah, it, it was just really a very special time for for, for talent baseball wise in this area. Like kind of kind of lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Uh personally I connected with a lot of stuff PJ said because the way that he talked about like how much the the winning meant and the celebrations and all that, like it was eerily similar to what we experienced in high school with state championship, right? Yeah. Like it's when he talks about how special it was to get on that fire truck and ride around town and, you know, have your, have your parents, you know, putting the soap on the windows and honking the horn and fingers yeah. out the window and all that, uh, say, you know, a couple of years later in different, you know, different situation. But I remember, the way that he talked about all the celebrations and the community coming together, it felt very, very similar. So, yeah. um, the couple of names too, like, um, Tug and Joe Hewlett, like, gosh, yeah. I remember, I re- man, Tug, like I put Phil Laurent in that group too, because I sure. only knew Tug from Calvary. And so yeah. they were both lefty, right? And they both, I think, threw pretty hard. I remember Tug being a hitter, but like Phil kind of threw hard and was lefty as well. Um, I want to say, I don't know if this is I thought they had a cousin named Charlie that I played with on some random league in Petersburg as well. And he was a left-handed hitter that was super fast uh, okay. as I well. I remember that too. 
Yeah. Uh, anyway, I got to play with Joe one year on rifles. Uh, you know that yeah. he was there. That was he fun. came back. But, yeah. Um, but same type of thing. Like it's the the same thing that Canadler was. Like you get one guy up there that's the table setter that builds the confidence for everyone else. That everyone's kind of like waiting back to see how does this guy do? Because if 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 he's intimidated or he struggles, I know I'm going to struggle. But then when yeah. they get up there and they're not scared, you know, you're like, okay, he's got it, so I've got it. Yeah, absolutely. That was that that was that was your that was Dusty for you guys for sure, right? Well, he wasn't the table setter, but we always knew he was our safety net. He was our Goliath, yeah. right? Like he right, was the yeah. big like we could pick a fight with anybody because we knew Big Brother was standing behind us. And like <laughs> we could we could stir crap with anybody because we knew like Dusty's gonna hit a three run homer and we'll be up, so it yeah. doesn't matter. Yep, I, I totally agree. Yeah. Um more more on on dusty and, and pj and playing against each other um yeah. I, okay pj mentioned that he watched those games from puerto rico like what so do we cool. got what do we got to do to get those things on digital like what do we, we got to do we got to get it on digital and share the links i get i guarantee you i can get those from greg i can do that no problem and, and, and i have all the software to do it god i would i would love to watch those uh it's and happening. then same so what's funny is uh it, Dusty. And he said that he actually has video because, oh, here's what happened. I didn't know that, that, so Tyler's dad is, is, uh, when he talked about that second game, Tyler Kastner was pitching and his dad yes. was calling pitches from the stands. PK. Yes. So Paul Kastner was uh, a basketball coach and he's actually my golf coach in high school and all that. And I didn't know that. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like devastated. I'm like, no, is that how this all happened? And, <laughs> and so I texted Dusty and I'm like, I was like, hey, have you listened to PJ's podcast yet? He's like, no, I'm sure it's great though. And I go, oh yeah, you come up a lot. I go, whenever you listen to it, let me know if you knew the thing that they talk about for y'all's game in Minnesota. And right. he's like, uh, he's like something about a, a, a pro ball player picking up signs from the stands. I'm like, yes, did you know about this? He's I like, know. Hey, <laughs> he's like no they didn't tell me they didn't tell me till like a couple of year couple of years later of playing with them and i'm like oh my gosh i'm devastated yeah that's the you best know. story i love that he dropped yeah. that and he goes and he goes he has he has on video the first game where dusty pitched and they and they mercy ruled him he goes but yeah. i don't have video of the next two game where they came back and beat us and, and bounced us out yeah i I, I, I really think it's going to be amazing when some people hear that little detail that did not know that, you know, that that were involved in that game. There's got to be tons of guys that are going to listen to it that were around that area. And just, man, just that Tim Hewlett comes back, picks this up, and is, you know, relaying it from the stands. Nuts. Yeah. I love it. Which, yeah. I mean, fair is fair, right? Like, we um, – hey. There, there's plenty of times that that I've done well because somebody on second base picked up signs and relayed it to me, or that's, that's the first, game. First, first base coach, you know, knew what was coming, and that, you know, same type of thing. First name, fastball, number, curveball, whatever it was. Uh, yeah. I benefited from that quite a bit too. So yeah, I, I see no no foul there. If there's going to be a dad calling it from the stands, like why can't someone see this and relay it? I have zero issues with that. I think that's yeah. gamesmanship. That's part of the game, man. That's what For it sure. is. Yeah. For sure. Oh man, but like to have the perspective now of you know looking back twenty five years earlier, like was that what made the difference? And right, yeah, uh, right. But yeah, you, but you, but you know, uh, so happy for them that they got to go and have that experience because you know uh, six or seven of the guys on that team I ended up playing with either at Lincoln Land or on rifles or played against that are friendly, like you know Terry Parnell and Brewer and stuff like that. I know a lot of those guys too. So amazing sure. that they did that, but 
so yeah. funny to hear. I mean, you know, this is like is. this is like the second gunman on the grassy knoll type stuff. Like, yeah, just now finding that out. That right. was so cool. I mean, that I mean, for nothing else, that's why I love these podcasts is to yeah. find out, you know, little these little things, things. these little stories yeah. like that. And kudos to PJ, like I said, for not being too big to talk about this kind of stuff. You know, he's had a story yeah. career. He could have breezed past past Little League if you wanted to. So thanks to PJ for being like so willing to talk about it. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. awesome. What else um, you got? Oh my gosh. So uh, let's statesman a little bit. Um, yeah. So this combines Dusty's and PJ's a little bit. Uh, I know that you mentioned that Statesman was like one of your favorite teams growing up. Yeah. Uh, it certainly was not mine. I hated them. <laughs> Um, number one, I hated him for stealing Dusty from us, which, yeah. you know, is the only perspective an 11, 12, 13 year old kid has, right? Of like course. You, just took, you just took Michael Our Jordan player. off the team. Like, I, you know, <laughs> that's not fair. What are we supposed to do now? Um, but then yeah. also I would like, I kind of represented that second level of, of athlete that wasn't quite good enough to be invited to that team. Right. So it's like, yeah. We always had to show up and play them and, you know, always had to be reminded like, hey, you know, these guys beat us all the time and stuff like that, too. So um, I did not have I did not have that uh, that admiration for the statesman um, (laughs) as much as you did. And you ended up playing for the Shockers, which was a strong team in the area as well. Had a lot of good, good players on that team. But you guys had to face them from time to time. Yeah. And and, we did. we had a lot of good, good athletes as well. And, yeah, and that's where absolutely. I kind of got to know a lot of the Springfield guys. I mean, we had, we had three or four from Griffin, you know, two or three from, from uh, Southeast and from Lanfear and all that type of stuff. Then we, man, we picked up, you know, Phil played one year, Phil Laurent played with us one year. Brewer played with us a little bit. Um, we picked up like Corey Getz, a catcher from Mount Zion, I think. Um, uh-huh. So, I mean, really good in our own right. Like not, not not PJ and Dusty good, but like sort of that next level of guys. Absolutely, it it absolutely it wasn't a it wasn't like now where everyone can just come to the tryout, pay the money, and be on a travel team. Like it really was like I didn't play, I didn't I didn't join them until I think I think the summer before my junior year. So uh, maybe I maybe I played three summers with them, two or three, but. Yeah, this wasn't like, you know, the the 13 or 14-year-old circuit. Like, it was high school, and it wasn't until um, there was a, you know, there was enough talent to actually go around to some of these tournaments and, and do some work there, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but that kind of leads into a little bit crossing over with Aper's story, too, because it's like, um, when he talks about, essentially, Lincoln Land was recruiting a summer ball team. I yeah. mean, that's kind of Old what... Team that's kind of what Lincoln land and SDI in Springfield was for me. It was like, oh, it, was, yeah. it was a lot of those guys I had played with on, on shockers and things like that in summer ball. So it's like, um, I didn't realize it at the time, but I mean, what a, what a great strategy that is for, for, you yeah. know, gathering up some talent in the area is seeing who, who kind of can sustain a longer season can play yeah. against, you know, better talent. And cause like, uh, I was a good high school player, but of of our of our thirty five games, um, you know, fifteen to twenty of them doesn't really tell you anything, right? Because you're, yeah. it's not it's not the level of competition that you would face at the at the next level, right? But when you play on some of those summer ball teams um, in high school, you get an idea of, hey, are these just padded numbers because you know you're getting three hits off 
off the the number five starter on a team, <laughs> or can you really do it against you know? Yeah, can you, the dude. Can you, can you play? Yeah, can you get a hit against their number one starter on a Friday night of conference play? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I think there's there's something to be said about bringing in a a, a a group of guys that already have chemistry too. I think that went obviously well for Aper's group at Lincoln Land, and yeah, that that would be cool to bring in a, a large group of guys that have this long history together and their yeah. built-in friendship already what else and, you got pj for me? man so uh, like yeah. a little bit more on the shockers like that's um like that's why uh that's why i kind of started a career in sports tourism is like th- those those travel tournaments like it's a weekend vacation with all your best friends right oh, like and that's th- that's absolutely like once i got to college i was a, i was a sport uh sports marketing sports management major whatever it was called but all of my classes and things were around like operating events and sports law and things like that it wasn't until i got an internship that i found out like this sports tourism exists and i'm like wait a minute all those tournaments i played in as a kid there's people on the other end of this that like recruit that stuff for a job i'm like that's it for me this is what i'm gotta do so i'm here 17 what how old am i 17 years later i've only ever done sports tourism so like that obviously that stuff is very special to me too um man more more on pj uh i do remember being blown away by his athleticism in basketball yeah Uh, and maybe it goes to the size or maybe it you know i don't know what it was but like you know uh we played against we played against like washington and franklin middle schools and things like that um, and then you got to high school and it's like Lanfear started to grow a little bit and they were kind of like this juggernaut. And I knew who, uh, Nico Scott was and I knew McBride and I knew Iguodala and all that stuff. But I remember watching them in a summer game and I remember seeing PJ out there and I was like, I thought he was Bobby Hurley or Steve Wojciechowski. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, not only is PJ coming up, he's running like everyone's looking to him. Like he's running yeah. the whole show. Running like he's show. leading breaks. He's hitting, like, he's not just dumping it into the post. Like granted at that time, you know, when we had dusty, a lot of our stuff revolved around running a fast break. If you don't have the fast break, everyone pulls back out, dusty posts up, you dump it into him and you just wait to see what happens. Like, <laughs> I, I remember watching him and just being like, I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like PJ's getting shots with like all these other guys out here and making them. And I was just like, yeah. son of a gun. Yeah. I'm like I, I had no I had no idea that he was just that level with everything. It was just yeah. so surprising, and I again, I, everything that I do is reflective of myself. And I just in that moment, I think I'm like, God dang! I'm like, gotta gotta pick it up. I'm like, that's a guy that looks pretty similar to what I'm doing, and he's way yeah. faster, way better. Yeah, absolute stud in all sports. I didn't even I, I felt like I I kind of breezed over his basketball a little bit because there was so much baseball to cover. And I, I knew in my head we had six hours, so I was like, I can't spend a half hour on basketball here. Why? What? Which would have been cool. I would have loved to talk more, Iguodala, McBride, yeah. and Nikos, yeah. and but yeah, everyone knows PJ was an absolute baller at basketball. All those guys respected him. I briefly tried to find a way to get a hold of Andre to see if I could yeah. get him on the. I mean, a pipe dream to get him on the podcast. I failed. I did not get a hold of Andre Iguodala, but it would have been cool to have an Andre clip in there or something like that. But yeah, I don't. I'm I'm sure there's some some guys around that still have his number. But yeah, I'm like like you kind of feel like a guy like that. You probably have to go through a, an assistant or an agent or who yeah. knows what. I don't even know how. Yep. yep. He's he's not responding to uh, Facebook direct messages. Probably. <laughs> <No. not. laughs> I actually did send him a direct Instagram message, and I think I've been I've been left on not read. So. <laughs> If yeah. you ever hear this, Andre, give me a shout, man. We'll, we'll get you on. 
yeah. Um, the, man, the the more on PJ. The one, like I said, the one summer that we played together on rifles, uh, it was it was great. Just because I I had known who he was for playing against each other, and um, sometimes in the summer, just I you know I would tag along with Dusty when we were just hanging out, and a, a time or two we ended up you know with PJ just hanging out socially and things like that. So. Um, just that one summer, I know we've touched on this so many times. I, it, as much as Dusty was, was, you know, um, pulled back by him not wearing a cup. I was so thrown off. Like when we got changed, <laughs> PJ just rolled into the clubhouse wearing like, like, uh, blue jeans and a shirt that he had been working at that morning. And yeah. he's just like, he's just like out of blue jeans into basketball shorts, baseball pants on. And I'm like. You like no, Something's no, missing here. no sliders or anything? I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, no. And he's like, I don't know, it's just more comfortable. I'm like, bro, what? you don't like you're not gonna tear up your, your legs or your thighs or anything. And Nothing? he's like, I don't know, that's just what I always do. And so just like everyone does with PJ, like PJ, like PJ didn't wear batting gloves. I started not wearing batting gloves. So like yep. PJ wears basketball shorts. I was like, I'll try wearing basketball shorts. It was just like, <laughs> if it works for him, like maybe it'll work for me. That's so funny. <laughs> I, I know. And he kind of breezed over it a little bit like, oh, it's not that big a deal. We're not wearing a cup, but it is a big deal. The fact that he didn't do that is a big deal. What an absolute alien that speaks to his hands, his athleticism. Crazy. Well, and like, so for me, I was always trying to, do whatever I could to get my best game. You know what I mean? And like, mm-hmm. sometimes that means just changing up weird things that you're like, if you have a good game, you're like, man, that's how I need to play all the time. And if I did, if I use this bat or I dug my foot in this way, or, you know, I had a sandwich before the game, it's like, well, got to do that again. Yep. And so I was, PJ was one of those guys that I felt like always played a good game. And I was like, well, I need to do what he's doing. So, like, just li- anything that he would do, I'd be like, I got to do that because it works. Or, like, all right, I just got to I gotta get some of that good good juju, you know, to do the same things that he does. I, I imagine probably a lot of people that played with him felt like that. He seems like one of those guys that people would look to and look up to, even if you're the same age, even if you're his peer, just one of those guys that you look to for, for leadership like that. For sure. And, it, man – I, I I don't know how you communicate that to like recruits coming in, but right. I would love to to be a, a father with a kid who is have an opportunity to play there, you know, because right. it's so funny. Like, oh my gosh, uh, no one knew everybody that we're talking about. Nobody knows how to navigate the system. O'Malley yeah. didn't know how to get with U of I. PJ didn't right. know how to That's... accept the offer with Notre Dame. Um, D- Dusty uh, went to U of I and didn't even get drafted. Like the biggest thing that I'm taking away from all of this is like, no one knows how to navigate things correctly and where wow. you end up and how to handle yeah. it all. Um, that's a great point. But that's like, uh, if there's some way that you can bottle up, like all of us people that know how valuable and how genuine PJ is. And like, how do you show that to recruits to just be like, don't like whatever you think is important to you. Like none of that's going to matter because the guy that's going to be guiding you is going to make you so much better. You're going to yeah. enjoy it. He's going to teach you how to do the right things. Like, and I'm sure everybody has a sales pitch that says that, but it, you know, it's yeah. like, how do you, how do you convey that to them that like, look, you can, you can try, you know, don't worry about what the campus is like. Don't worry if you saw pretty girls, don't worry 
if they have your major or not. And, and that's probably bad advice, but uh, just like, look, you're you're going to be here with a genuine person that is going to yeah. you know, take your kid, going to get the absolute maximum out of them and be honest with them and teach them things that they won't find other places. Like oh, that's, man. that's totally perfect. I wish I had Benjamin Button disease. I would like to go back and play for PJ, man. Like if I totally get what you're saying, I wish PJ would give recruits my number and like they could call or right. near you and be like, talk to this guy and i would be like do you know who you're about to play for like this guy is the guy like I, there's yeah. no one else that i think is more qualified to lead young men like man yeah. what an awesome person coach he's lived so much through baseball like man i would love to play for yeah. PJ. and like drop like like drop the ego stuff like if you think that you want to like just because lindenwood doesn't have the name recognition that like a a, a other division one does like right, right i promise you there's 150 of us that are like 40 years old right now that wish they could all go back and, and do things differently. Like what we're telling you yeah. right now matters. I a hundred percent agree. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. And yeah. he's going to, I'm so excited because he has like a fresh D one program. They just transferred over a couple years ago, just rolled into the OVC. He's going to absolutely build that place. It's going to be special to watch him his, his career progress. Yeah. No, I love that you, you know, I like to clown around. I love that you threw in there all the summer, summer camp stuff about, about, about the cake. And you know what's so funny? Like, I for like I I have all these other memories from that rifle summer that we played together in '04, um, and I completely forgot about them soaking the field. Like that, great. Of, course, great of course, we all talked about it and heard about it, and it was funny. And we're like, yeah, like we had lost so many games that it was like, and it was brutally hot that summer too. So it was like. Everyone needed the mental break and we've did everything he could that summer to like help keep guys like loose and having fun. Cause he knew like we were, we just didn't have like our roster leaned much too local and yeah. not enough national talent. And that was by design to try and sell tickets. And cause of that move to land fear and, and all that type sure. of stuff. But um, my God. And to be completely honest, I forgot that he la la uh, left the last two weeks to go pitch in the Cape. And yeah. it's like so funny what you remember and what you don't. Um, yeah. But yeah, what an amazing experience. He's uh, just, you know, the same type of thing. There's not that you're going to have any jerks on for, for a, a, a guest, you know, podcast or whatever, but everybody that we've had on, like it, there's all this crossover that like they're genuine people, you yeah. know, there's nobody really has a bad thing to say about them. They, they you know, yeah. they all have kind of that element where they really know the game and they acclimate themselves well to coaches and they help other people get better. And, you know, he's nobody, nobody better than, than him at that too. I agree, man. It was so cool to hear him go into the Cape Cod stuff. I know you and I were kind of talking beforehand and we were worried, especially you that like he's, he wasn't going to think it was as magical as you and I did. Like, you know, yeah. you and I did not experience the Cape. We were both CICL guys. And probably grew up, you know, being like, oh, I wonder what the Cape is like. So cool. And yeah. It was awesome that he was willing to go back through those memories. And he thought it was special, too. And we, we, what we were worried about is he was going to say it was just another collegiate league. Which yes, is better I didn't. Us, yeah, I didn't want to be I didn't want to get my let you know, down. You, gotta, you need you need something to dream about and hoist up on a pedestal. Right. Like it's the yeah. I was afraid that it was going to be one of those, you know, don't meet your hero type things because it's like. If yeah. that was the epitome of where you played summer ball, like I wanted to hear that it was magical, right? Like every day was this, was this journey and, you know, and, but it did sound like that, right? Like a thousand people at games and people setting yeah. up their lawn chairs, you know, at yeah. noon and coming back. And, yeah. um, I mean, that's all very, 
not not mysterious, but like really cool atmospheric type stuff. Yeah. And, uh, well, it's it's it's, it's, it's one thing to have a thousand fans in like Landfear. It's another to have them in lawn chairs right next yeah. to the field. You know. Right. I lost uh, you. Oh, oh, go ahead. I was say, and uh, Quincy was kind of like Quincy Gyms. They had great atmosphere. atmospheres, man. Like for Pet. probably because they knew they were going to beat us. Always got that July third or July fourth game where oh, they did the great. fireworks and great. dollar beers, and that was. I mean, that man. was a good time. Rocking. Yeah. Gosh, like I remember uh, one, like one of those July third or July fourth games. I remember I was on first base. Got on first base. I went to dive back in. My hand got stuck, and my body rolls over my hand. And I knew it was bad because I could feel my hand against my chest, but it was yeah. still on the on the bag too. <laughs> and I stand up, and my pinky is all the way back against my hand. And I turn. You remember? You know the name Clyde Oliver? Oh yeah, Hitting yeah. Center. So he was our. He coached us that for. This was in 03. So he coached us that first year. And I remember just holding my hand up to him, and he goes, "Oh." And so, and it's all the way back, and he puts it. He um you know pulls it underneath his arm and he's trying to yank this thing back into place and because it was stretched back so much it had no feeling in it but when he finally pops it and it goes back in the rush of pain that came over like made me like have cold sweats and things like that and i'm wanting to get i'm wanting to get taken out of the game because this hurts so bad and clyde just looks at me and he's like you're gonna have to suck it up we don't have any other outfielders and i'm like what Clyde was so good at that. He was like, he's like, you're gonna have to figure out something. He's like, you know, like I'll I'll go get you some tape or whatever. I, I remember I had to bat the next inning, but like it hurt so bad that I had to like curl my pinky and like tape it in this curl position to hold the bat. And it was like, but then I remember I I got a a base hit with my hand like that, and it was that July Fourth game with lots of people there and all that. And I remember getting that hit and thinking to myself, I'm like, what an idiot that you wanted to come out of the game. Like, look at this atmosphere. Like, this oh. is the greatest thing. And, cool. you know, just one of those things I'm like, wow. Again, play hard, work hard. I was, you know, I yeah. wanted, didn't want the smoke, you know, just like I would have never cut it in any, any league, you know, other than that. Because I wanted, I wanted to just be at the highest level of competition where I could still be good, you know. I didn't, I wasn't, I love I wasn't the best of the best. Quincy was a fun place to play. I remember those Fourth of July games. They would be completely packed in the in the stands, and then there would be people packed on the sides of the field too. You remember that down the sidelines? Yeah. Oh, and they yeah. would have the they would have like the little trailers that sold beer out of them, and everyone yeah. was having a great time. There'd be six, seven thousand people there at at a Fourth of July game. At a Fourth of July, like a, for sure. At a ton of that felt like a ton of people. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was yeah. Nothing, nothing but fond memories there. Um, yeah, man, this was this kind of kind of turned into just you and me chatting and not as much about the, the pods that I wanted to react to, but all well, good. give me some more PJ stuff, man. I don't know what else. I mean, if you've covered it, then what we've covered it. It's no big deal. Let me see what else he's, um, Oh, the, the injuries, uh, things that popped out to me whenever I always thought, right. Like when you get an, in, like O'Malley's, like O'Malley got his injury and it was like he threw a ball and it went high and he felt something pop or whatever. And he's like, wow, that's not right. You know what I mean? He gets yeah. one more throw and he's out. And I'm like, oh, that's how arm injuries happen. And yeah. then Pete talks about how he finished playing well, then his arm hurts the next day, you yeah. know, and continues to throw on it, um, thinking it's just cold weather, comes back, still does well in the game. And but they said that he tops out at 84 or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
And then they're like, hey, something's not right here. You know, like I never, never feel like that's how it happens. You know what I mean? I always feel like it's a catastrophic incident where it's like, boom, that's where it happened. It pops, you know, it broke, yeah. it's, it's never coming back. Um, yeah. What I remember, or his reaction to it felt very mature. That he could agree, very mature. Remain, remain positive, continue to work at it. Um, most people probably wouldn't be that probably wouldn't be that honest with themselves. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? It, it just, you know, and I, that's a, I think that's a special quality for him that I think serves him well in other things that he's going to do is also is that he's just very, very honest with the whole situation, understand yeah. what's going on. Um, you know, again, kind of similar to Jason that he, PJ knew that he wanted to go back and, and, you know, finish some classes and he was always ready for the next step whenever that would be. Um, yeah. But man, uh, is there anybody else that you that we thought was going to be on such a track to get through? Like when you look at those numbers in in Lakeland and Double A and things like that, it's like man, he was, he was going somewhere. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the way the trajectory went, it was like man, there's nothing really from from getting there. Yeah, and if, if you're throwing mid mid nineties with a bunch of run and stuff, like he he legit was, like I said. He was in Baseball America as a top ten guy for the for the Tigers and their in their pitching as their pitchers and multiple coaches thought he was on a trajectory to the big league. So it was cool to hear how mature he handled that, how he was you know, had come to peace with it. I mean, that would be the kind of thing I think that could could eat at someone if you don't come to peace at it. So come to peace with it. So very very cool, very mature. Yeah, and it, not a like um, even even handling handling the jump from. Um, position player to pitcher and just very positive and always being like that gamer that's going to do anything that the team needs to do to win right like whether i think it is in the case that he talked about like hey now we're back we had a little technical difficulty we we got a good connection here oh yeah i think that was the world's way of telling me to wrap it up (laughs) we did talk about going for a half hour and i believe we're well over an hour now but I, I will talk to you about baseball all day, buddy. What, what else do you have to say? No, I just uh, more more praise on on PJ of just being able to handle going, especially when he was in the Cape. Just hey, a little overwhelmed at at the the plate and shortstop and things like that. So then he had you know gave him an opportunity to pitch. He still stayed very positive, still very beneficial to his team. Pinch running, yeah. coming on as a defensive replacement, uh, yeah. all those different things. That I just don't. He's that's such a testament to his character and his personality that like you know other guys would sit and sulk and you know wonder yep. when they're going to get their opportunity but he was like he's such a winner right he's such a yeah. gamer like he'll he'll do anything that it takes to win yeah you know? he, he talked about not being worried about you know being swaggy or how cool he looked or and that totally falls in line with it he just wanted to win he wanted to help his team yeah. he was a gamer just like you said that's totally bj yeah. which is funny because everyone wanted to copy everything that he did that funny? I know. Like yeah. he said, he had no swag, but he had that. Like he didn't have to try. People just thought he was cool. Like that right. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it wasn't like obvious, flashy stuff. But it's like, you know, I, like I mentioned it before. You know, if he 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 wasn't wearing sliders, so I didn't wear sliders. He didn't exactly. wear batting gloves. I didn't wear batting yeah. gloves. You know, I would try thing. whatever he tried because I'm like, man, it works for him. Now, obviously, you know, it's talent and it's and it's work and it's practice and it's all that stuff. And here I am thinking, I'm like, oh. The key to all of this is not to wear sliding shorts. <laughs> <laughs> that is so perfect. Yeah, I, I totally get what you're thinking with that, man. 
that's that's great. Uh, it was you know, one more like one more funny thing about the yeah. them stoking the field. Gosh, this yeah. was like it, it's all it's all coming back to me now too because it's like that. Some <laughs> so my first year with rifles was uh, was a disaster. Like I I started out zero for thirty eight. Um, and it's, it wasn't like 38 strikeouts. Like I was, I was putting some good balls in play. It's just, I'm a guy that lives on, you know, finding the hole and blooping it in and two choppers through and all of a sudden against these guys and with wood bath, none of that stuff gets through. Right. <laughs> so even, even the hard balls that I were hitting were like a hard one hop right to someone. So yeah. over, over 38 is, is pretty rough, but again, yeah. th- we only had, even that year, we only had four outfielders. So it was like, you were playing. Yeah, you played three out of every four games, and then if somebody was down with injury or something like that, you like it was a ton of games in a long, yeah. short amount of time. Um, so I ended up, you know, ended up doing fine the second half of of that year. But I, it was always looming in my mind when you come back the next year for the rifles. I was like, I cannot start zero for thirty eight. Like I cannot. Yeah. So I remember the very first game, very first at bat at Landfear. <laughs> I'm like, I got to do something different. Very first pitch. I, I lay one down, perfect little bunt, you know, three hopper to third base bunt, and I bunt for a hit. And it's like the monkey's off my back. I'm like, yes, not 0 for 38. <laughs> so, but, so, but I remember like the first three weeks, I did exceptionally well. Like, I, I mean, hitting like 450, 460, something like that. Very small sample size. Yeah. But I remember I started out so well that then when things came back to normal, I, I, when, when it came to that all-star break time, um, I got, I w- actually was selected in as like the, like the alternate outfielder or the, you know, something like that. So yeah. I'm, I'm like pumped. I'm like, I, I want to play this. I got to play this or whatever. Sure. And it gets rained out. And then these guys rain out our field because you needed the break and all that. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, we need the break. But I go, that's my only chance to ever make like a, all-star like a, 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 a all-star game that means something, you know, cause there's oh, other yeah. guys that are there that are really good. I, yeah. Because I was had a really good start, and then you know just got in as the last outfielder on our on, you know, in our division. Yeah, man, that's great. You are. I will say this: you downplay how good of a player you were, but your your stories about your Joey Choppers and finding bloops and holes and stuff are always hilarious. But don't let this guy fool you; he was a very good baseball player. I uh, I found myself in a lot of great situations, that's for sure. And things like. <laughs> It's funny too because when PJ talks about how he goes from year to year, it's like your first year you show up, there's no scouting reports on you. Guys might be more, you know, they're going to challenge you with fastballs and all that. Yeah. Man, I lucked out my whole career on that. Like at Plains, I, I got lucky that I, I started a lot my freshman year because of some other injuries and I could hit a little bit. But yeah. I got to hit behind Ryan Murphy. You know, Ryan Murphy was a senior yeah. in the four hole. I hit in the five hole right behind him. So always had people on base, was getting lots of fastballs. Yeah. And then same thing all the way through. I hit behind Dusty and Jordan that had great years. Yeah. Um, like I benefited from that, you know, everywhere that I went. Right. Like as long yeah. as, like I was never the guy on any team that I was on. Right. But I, I always found my way into the lineup. You know, if you could. Yeah. And that's what I love about baseball too, is that like not every, and I think I've told you this. Some yeah. too, is that like, uh, there's other players that on paper have, better look better in every category right throw Matt harder, Lusk. run faster hit harder but you know better background better pedigree all that stuff but it's like i always i always found my way into the lineup right because like when it yep. came time for the game you know a 
a a blue to right field is the same as a line drive. You know, it's the works, baby. Yeah. Run. So yeah. that was one thing that I always found found that I could get into. Like no one was showing up. Like when when Aper talks about having amazing batting practice sessions at his his showcases and tryouts and stuff. Like yeah, no one. Hell, a lot of the times I threw batting practice because I knew that it wasn't that great. Like, uh, I remember at Lincoln Land on the backfield for like a whole season and with the rifles, like I I threw probably 400 pitches every day because I was throwing batting practice to everybody. Because it was just like, you know, I'm not I'm not out there hitting batting practice bombs. And, yeah. even, you know, of course, maybe I should have worked on it a little bit more. But even um, – even like balls, like hit and run balls to right field. It's not like I was sitting back on them and driving to right field. Like I was still probably out early and just kept the barrel behind. So it went to right field, you know, but then, so in batting practice, I did not look impressive whatsoever, but then, you know, you get into the game and all of a sudden you find yourself on base two or three times. And you were a gamer, man. You, you yeah. always were, you always were a gamer. Uh, you, you, I remember us talking about seeing you guys remember this name, Matt Lusk. Oh, yeah. Who was that? Who was that? You, know, you told me a cool story about him being at Lincoln Land. This guy came from Tulane. You know, he yeah. played baseball at Tulane his first year. Absolutely a stud. He was and, the and, uh, pl- he was the the player of the year in Louisiana. Uh, yeah. senior year in high school. Crazy and you know wildly talented. And you guys kind of played the same position, and you found yourself in the lineup a lot because you did the the small things. You know, the, the little yeah. intangibles and things like that. And sometimes that. That is enough. And like, those are the things that don't always show up on, on, on a stat sheet. Yeah. And I don't know what, like, um, I always, I always able to, I was always able to still get outfield assists. Um, not because I had a strong arm, but like, uh, there were a lot of times that like, I would charge like, and this is, this is to give coach Greer some credit from planes in high school is that he always encouraged me. Like anytime a ball is hit, like don't sit back and let it come to you. Like when that ball's hit, you got to sprint to it. Yeah. And like that was something that I never really saw a lot of other people doing. But like, if there was a if there was a base hit, you know, if I'm playing right field or left field or whatever, and there's a ground ball hit to the infield, like I'm on a full sprint to go pick that ball up 30 feet closer than anybody else would. Like, number one, it gets the ball in my hands quicker. But I, I think I topped out at 82 from the outfield on a full crow hop, <laughs> and, and given it everything I had. So I, like, I always wanted that shorter throw. So I mean, I don't I. I, I remember having five or six outfield assists each season that I was out there. And it was always just on, you know, guys that, that, you know, felt like they could run, you know, sleeping on, on you, on, yeah. run on whatever. So yeah, yeah, there's, that's what I love about baseball is that there's, there's places to play for, for any, you know, all makes and sizes and, and things like that. It's uh it's a, it's a beautiful game. Right. And now it's a beautiful game. Yeah. And here we do, we get to to relive all this stuff with the guys that were, even though they're two or three years older than us, like yeah. you still don't hesitate to call them our heroes, right? Not at all. I've, I've, I've not felt embarrassed in any way to say I look up to some of these guys, you know, even I still do in some ways, you know, there's still, yeah. like I said, there's still very much a little boy in me with all, in all of us that loves baseball is romantic about it. And I remember looking up to these guys. So it's been so fun talking to them and hearing their stories and yeah. And it makes us, uh, because we're putting some money behind this and charitable, we're not just old guys talking about baseball here. So <laughs> I know. Yeah. At the end of the day, we'll just wrap it up with, and I'm going to kick in 20 bucks for the charity. So that made it all worth it. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Is this a good finishing place for us? You got anything else, buddy? Man, you know, if, if we don't cut it off now, you know, it, it might be into, into the next day and who knows what all else might come up. So um, we'll save it for the next one. Uh, yeah. 
man, what else, you know, just obviously I, I love being here as the sounding board. Uh, I love dropping new ideas and, and watching you run with it. Um, can't wait to see what journeys the next guests all take us on. And, um, and again, like it's not, you know, the, the audience benefits from it, but I think what's really cool is that every guest, like you said, there's when, when else are you going to be able to sit down and be able to go through all of the memories never season by season, um, yeah. you know, level by level of your whole baseball career. Uh, there's no other platform that you can, can do all of that. Right. So nope. it truly really is, you know, every, every podcast episode is, you know, first and foremost, kind of for that guest to, to lay out their journey and see where it takes them, you know, do they, 100%. what do they remember about it? How do they see it? You know, who are they thankful for? Is there anything they could have done different? You know, I love yeah. hearing all that. Yeah. It's been so amazing here. And like, just hearing these guys light up, you know, like you don't always know how people are going to respond talking about their career, but hearing these guys light up and how much it meant to them and the stories and the, the teammates and the coaches and the hard knocks and yeah. the homers and the injuries and the yeah. releases and man, it's just, it's all beautiful. It's all circular. Yeah. It's amazing. It's been so fun being a, being a part of this and being to do stuff with, with my boy here, Joey and April, yeah. like we're, we've got a three-way text where we text a lot, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just been so fun, man. I love it. I've loved that. Me and you have reconnected. We've always like shared funny stories back and forth through the years since we played together, but we've reconnected in a big way here and it's just been fun. I appreciate you being back in my life, buddy. This has been so, so dang fun. Thank you. Yep. Hey, I'm here for all of it. Yeah. We're here for all of it. All right. Post game spread out of left field with Joey Allsmeyer, the first live one. Send me that 20 bucks sucker. <laughs> all right. Gladly. <laughs> all right. We appreciate you. We're out. See you guys. Yeah.